Well, praise God. Yeah, parents, you, uh, parents and grandparents now, now, you're under more of an attack ever before to raise our children for godly beliefs and to stand strong. And so, you know, my hat's off to you. We got to do it. Amen. So anyway, I don't have a Mother's Day message. I'm sorry if you were expecting a Mother's Day message. I just have something that jumped off at me this week that I'm going to go with this morning. Uh, my wife, you know, God bless her. She, uh, we were having some kind of a discussion, and uh, and anyway, she said, "Well, just shake that snake off." And then I happened to be reading at the, that time about Paul shaking the snake off into the fire, and and that just leaped off at me, just got in my heart about. So I'm preaching this morning on how to handle snakes. Okay, and it's funny because I hate to even mention that even have the word snake associated with the church anyway, because over the years we've been, you know, teased and prodded that we were snake handlers over here. And one thing I can promise you, that you ain't never going to see that in this church, because I hate snakes. Ain't no snake going to get over here that doesn't have a lot of lead following it, okay? Because I'm telling you, I hate them. Ain't nobody going to mess with me around snakes with me, and ain't no snakes in the baskets up here or nothing else. And so, I don't know, y'all may have heard this story. This, this story went around years ago, but I've thought about it this morning, about, uh, you know, there was a lady whose husband, this is not around here, it's a story, uh, a lady whose husband had passed away. Supposedly, it's a true story. And uh, she was feeling lonely and all, and she had a pet snake. She had a pet, like, python or something, you know. And so she started letting this python sleep in the bed with her. Now, I can't imagine anything more, you know, just, that just gives me the, the willies all over, okay? So, anywho, but this woman was doing this, trying to have comfort. And, and so after she did this for several weeks, then she'd wake up every morning, and the snake would be by her, but it would be stretched out all the way straight, just laying out straight and stiff as a board. And she thought there's something wrong with it, and so she took the snake to the vet. And so the vet looked at it and, and asked her what was the problem, and she told him the story. And he says, ma'am, do you not realize what is happening? This snake is sizing you up. It's laying out, stretching itself out because he's looking at eating you. That's what snakes are good for. So let me read this story to you in Acts chapter 28, verse 1. And we're going to learn how to handle snakes this morning. Acts 28, verse 1. Now, it's when the apostle Paul, he's being taken uh, to Rome by force and, and they crash on the island of Malta. And it says, now, when they had escaped... The, then they found out that the island was called Malta. They escaped the sea. And the natives showed us an unusual kindness, for they kindly they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that it was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Now when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt, this man is a murderer whom he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook the creature off into the fire, and he suffered no harm. However, when they expected that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead, but after they had looked for a long time, they saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said, well, he's a god. Okay, now, I just want you to understand your pastor. Man, I can tackle anything, but when a snake would come out and bite me, 
I'd probably have a heart attack right there. I don't know that they would even have time for venom to get in me. I, I just have this phobia. When I was a kid, I was almost bitten by a rattlesnake, and it's just like this thing has been on me all the time. I, I mean, I just see a snake. I mean, it's just guns blazing. I hate them. I don't care if it's a grass snake. I hate them, okay? I don't want to be around them. And so if a snake was to actually attach itself to my hand, I'm telling you, it wouldn't be no, they wouldn't be saying I, they thought I was a god. I'd scream like a little girl, run around there, try to get that thing off me. It'd be bad. But here the apostle Paul, it bites him, and it's like it's no big deal. The sucker bit him, and he just shakes him off in the fire, okay? Well, there's a scripture I want you to go to, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 23, and you'll see where I'm headed with this message. Deuteronomy 4.23, it says, Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourself carved images in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Listen to me, God is a consuming fire. But God, people get it wrong. They think that means God's a bad God. God's an angry God. God wants to consume you. No, God wants to consume everything you give to him. If you're willing to, to say, Lord, I got this problem, I got this imperfection in my life, I got this, this issue going on, and you're going to give it to him, well, then God will consume it, burn it up, and then give you something back that's greater than you could have ever imagined. All right? That's what God's always wanting to do for you. All right? Every weakness we have. Folks, listen to me. If you don't think you got weaknesses, you do. We all do. Amen? Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, I think he's talking to you. None of us are perfect. We're all going through things in life. We're all going through issues and problems and, and circumstances. And, and, and we act in the flesh sometimes. We do this and that and the other. And people get so caught up in that. They can't move forward with God because they're always looking in the past of their mistakes. And what I want to show you this morning is God is a consuming fire. And he wants to consume that. Get it out of your life. Burn it up. Can I have an Amen. He wants to burn it up. He wants to get it out of your life. He wants to consume it, destroy it, get rid of it so that you can be free to be who he's called you to be. Amen? So the enemy knows this. The devil knows this. He knows that's what God will do. He knows. Listen to me. The devil knows the nature of God. He knows that if you repent and turn to God, he's going to help you. And he doesn't want that to happen. He wants you in bondage. He wants you in fear. He wants you in worry. He wants you troubled. He wants you vexed in your soul. Do you understand that? That's his job, to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't want you to have abundant life. He doesn't want you to have peace of mind. He wants you to wake up in the morning, and the first thought that comes to your mind is negative. Maybe you're, in, you're, you're, you're at odds with, you know, whatever, husbands or children's or whatever, and, and, and you're at odds. And so the first thing he wants to do in the morning is pop a thought in your mind about, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they've done that. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they're doing this. And then this just torments you all day long, just gets you to where, you know, you can't eat enough antacids. I mean, am I preaching good this morning or y'all don't have those problems? Y'all are just always living in glory land. Huh? Can I have an amen if that speaks to your heart? I mean, nothing irritates me more than I had a good night's sleep. I wake up. Oh, I'm stretching. I get, ah. And then the thought comes in my head, something negative. Irritates me. Right? 
Okay. So I've been preaching to you the parable of the sower. I mean, we've been going over this and over this and over this, and we're going to look at it again. I want to read it one more time. It's not that I don't think y'all got it. I'm just going to go over it again. Mark 4.13. Let's look at it in Mark. Mark 4.13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the words, and these are, by the, these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes when? When does he come? He don't give you no time. He comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in the heart. That is the whole principle of the sower. That the, that the Lord wants to, like, he wants to speak a good word to you today. He wants you to hear something and everything going on, whether it's what somebody said to you, what, I, what, I, what I'm preaching to you, what the word said, what, you know, whatever you saw just a minute on the video, whatever word could get sown in you. He wants that out of your heart immediately because he knows if it takes root in your heart, then it's going to bring you victory. It's going to bring you joy. It's going to bring you peace. He knows that. He knows this is the principle of the way God works. Word goes in, word gets sown in your heart, then it's there and it's yours. He's got to get it out because if you don't let him get it out, you're going to have victory. You're going to have joy. You're going to have peace. You're going to be able to turn to him and say, I shut up. Now, this is not really a good story, but it just, it just bears witness, and it's always been a part of my life, is that when I was in the sixth, the fifth grade, we were, always, I was, we were getting bullied. And there was a group of us, and we were always getting bullied, and we were always getting beat up, and we were always getting uh, just put down. And then one day on, the, on the, the, the playground, I went nuts. I went crazy. I lost my mind. And I just snapped. And I'd had enough of being bullied. And I, I, I actually took my belt buckle off, my belt off, with, and I had a big buckle. And I wrapped it around my hand, and I attacked. I went psycho. And after three of them were on the ground bleeding, and I was chasing the other three up the side of the hill when the principal comes out, and I'm swinging a belt. People are laying all over the place bloody. You know, and he's like, Robert, stop. You know, and I was, you know, I was crying and mad and screaming and good no, no, you know, only God knows what came out of my mouth. And, uh, and uh, he took me to the office and he questioned us. You know, what happened? I told him, I said, I just went crazy. I, you know, I've just been bullied and been, been beaten. And just been, they were down there whipping us and, and, and all, and I just lost it and I, had, I just did it. Like, Give me my licks. They do it again tomorrow, I'm doing it again tomorrow. Give me some more licks, I don't care. It's not going to put up with it. Well, needless to say, I was never bullied again. And I went on through school, you know, and, and there was a few challenges, but everybody always knew my, what I'd done. And so it, it gave me the momentum to not be bullied again, okay? And, they, you know, and, and I'm so I'm sorry, this doesn't fit your doctrine, but you know, um, with all the bullying going on today, I still think that's the best case, okay? And so anyway, heaven forgive me. Um, but as long as you let the devil bully you, you will always get defeated. It's no different. I'm telling you, you're living on a playground right now. In life, you think you're grown up, you think you're mature, you think that you have a house and you have children in there for you're an adult. You're not. We're all still living on a playground. 
It's just like a playground. You've got so many. You've got your click over here. You've got this problem over here. You've got these people over here. You've got them saying this. You've got that. It's still just a playground. We're living life in a playground. And you're going to get bullied by the devil unless you are willing to stand up and do something about it. And if he get up in the morning and he's speaking to you in your head and you're being put down and you're being, you know, you look at them. That's what they said this and they did this and this and this is how you're living. Folks, you're living in torment and Jesus never called you to live in torment. What Jesus called you to do is live in victory. But you're not going to have victory unless you're willing to stand up and tell the bully you got to get out. Until you're willing to shake off the snake into the fire, you're going to be defeated. And it breaks my heart. But it's the truth. Hello? So that's why I want to help you here. The devil is trying to steal your, the word right out of your heart. That's what he's going to do. Now I'm going to, give you, I'm going to give you three things that are spiritual things. And I'm going to give you five things that are practical things in this message. Because I'm going to show you how to defeat the devil today. How to, how to defeat a snake. How to handle snakes is what I'm going to do. If you don't get it, I don't know what to say. Because it's so simple. I just don't know what to say. You can't come to me after this message and say, yeah, but pastor, you know, don't even tell me that. I might lose it. But there's three spiritual things you have got to understand, okay? I touched on one of them last week, but the first one is that God is a God of covenant. You have to understand this. God is a God. He does not say something, and then he won't fulfill it. He is a God of covenant. He speaks covenant. He says to you, I bless you. Then, folks, you're blessed, and you could say, well, I don't know. Well, that's your fault. But he is blessed. Just like Jesus went to Nazareth. He went in there to do miracles. He would have done miracles and healed the town of Nazareth. But it says he could do no miracles there because they did not believe him. There was no faith being produced. God's a God of covenant. When he says, I bless you, then folks, you're blessed. So what needs to come out of your mouth is, I'm blessed. But if you don't do that, then it's not God's fault because he's a God of covenant. And he's still focused towards you. Even though 2 Timothy 2.3 says, if we're faithless, he's still faithful. It amazes me how, how mankind will stand up and say God didn't keep his end of the bargain. And I'm just like, dude, how can you say that? Because you're so far away from being God. Hello? How many of us are going to give up our only son? For a bunch of sinning dogs. How many of us are going to hang from the cross, willing to hang from the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do? Hello? Most of us would be up there hanging on the cross saying, you hope you just rot. I just went through the airport the other day and the guy took my pen, my writing pen. And because it had on the end of it a, a metal tip and all he just throw to fit, act like I was a terrorist from... You know, wherever, just came out of the terrorist camp, got my pen to come up there. And I started telling him, the stupid windows on the plane are plexiglass on the front. Anyway, what are you going to do? You can't do nothing. Maybe you might scratch my name in something, but I ain't going to break a window out. What, what stupid idiot would break the window out in a plane at 30,000 feet anyway? You know? And so he took my pen. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know that I've still forgiven the guy. And that's over a pen. I'm still having issues. I'm still coming up with things I'm saying to my wife. Why didn't I do this, you know? Why didn't I just take it and break it right in front of him or, you know, or do something? I was willing to go to war over a $15 pen. And like I said, I hadn't even forgiven the guy yet. Because I'm still talking about it. 
And I'm still mad about it. So what I'm saying to you, you really think that I'm going to be God that's going to go hang on a cross or somebody? I'm just telling you, we all have weaknesses. We all have problems. But no matter how faithless I get to be, God beaming from heaven towards me is still faithful. He's a God of covenant. You have to understand that God is not forsaken you. God loves you. Jesus gave his life for you. His love never ends. It never stops no matter where you're going. When you wake up in the morning, no matter how discouraged or deceived you can be, I want you to know God loves you. That's a foundational truth that you have to get into your heart. He is a God of covenant. His covenant, when he said it, he's going to do it. Hebrews 6 tells us that he swore by no greater. He could swear by himself, right, that he was going to do it. So you got to understand this. This is what's directed towards you, no matter what you feel, no matter what your thoughts are thinking, no matter how crazy you can be. I was going to preach this message. I just didn't do it. <coughs> One similar to this. And I was going to buy those little bobble heads. You know, those little bobble heads. That are blah, 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 blah. But I couldn't figure out what to get. And that, you know, and I was going to preach, don't be a bobble head. You know, don't be a person who wakes up every morning, your head's just bobbling, the devil's just rattling your cage all the time. We've got to know what God's word says. Hello? Galatians 3.13 says you're blessed. Now, I went over this last week, but I'm telling you again. Galatians 3.13 says you're blessed. So you're blessed. So no matter what happens, you're blessed. Hello? God said, I'm going to bless you. And so you're blessed. He's a God of covenant. He cannot say something and then back off of it. Do you understand this? I mean, I just can't jump up and down enough and say this. Do you understand this? When God says it on his side, his side of the covenant, boom, it's going. It's yours. The only way it can't be yours is if you don't receive it on your end. He's faithful. He's sending it. You say, well, God, one time I prayed and God didn't do it. Something you did was wrong. I've had people sit and argue with me and argue with me and argue with me that God was at fault. And I'm like, how could God be at fault? Let's just reason this. How could God be at fault? Oh, surely it couldn't be you. But I'm telling you, you've got to get this in your heart. God is direct his covenant towards you is his covenant, and he does not back off of it. He can't change. He's not a God that can change. When he said it, it's so. No matter what's going on right now in the world, no matter what's taking place, no matter what, everything like that, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter what anybody said. God is still there. You say, well, look, the world's changing, and this and that and the other. And, oh. That's like I told you yes, uh, last week. There are more Christians being killed right now in the world for being a Christian than there were in the days of Jesus. Christians across the world, there's more deaths, Christians being killed for being a Christian than ever before. Now, we sit here and we're just, you know, we just complain about the price of groceries. But we can still get them. All right? So, my point is, God's not going to change his covenant and his direction towards you. When he said it, it's so. That is a truth that you cannot let the devil steal in your heart. I remember when I was a little boy, I got in trouble. I'm sure it was falsely done. I was sure my mother was in error. But um, <clears throat> my sister did it and blamed it on me. But uh, I remember outside, I was upset, got a whipping. And I remember my old hound dog came up to me. He was sitting down there licking my face. And I looked at the dog and said, nobody loves me but you. I can still remember it. 
What a deception. Nobody loves me but the dog. Only reason why the dog liked me is because I fed it. But you see, that's how people get. They get to thinking that nobody loves them except the dog, the python, who's sizing them up to eat them. But you got to wake up and you got to put those thoughts away from you and into the fire and let God consume them that are coming to you and lying to you and saying that nobody loves you. You're, you're all alone in life. You're, you know, this, that, or the other. Those are lies from the pit of hell to steal the word from your heart. The second thing you've got to understand is in Hebrews 12, 24. The scripture says, To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. You know, when Cain killed Abel over in Genesis 4, when, when Cain went to God, he says, what is that I hear? I hear Abel's blood crying out from the ground. Blood speaks. Hear what I'm saying? Blood speaks. Hebrews 12, 24 says, the blood of the new covenant speaks out over your life. The blood of the new covenant in Jesus speaks over your life that it speaks that you're holy and unblameable and unreprovable in the sight. That's what it speaks. It speaks that you're righteous. It speaks that you have been redeemed. Hello? People take the blood of Jesus so like, like it's like metaphorically or it's like, you know, just, just something. It's not really like real. No, you've got to understand something. When Jesus poured his blood on the mercy seat in heaven and poured it out for you, that blood speaks. It speaks over every person who has asked Jesus Christ to come into the life and be his Lord and Savior. That blood then is applied to your life. If you threw open the Lamb's book of life that's in heaven... And your name was written by there. There's a blood stained by it saying your blood bought. And that blood speaks. On that trip I just recently took, they, they, they put a wristband on us. And, and then your wristband gave you an allowance to wherever you went. You just walked in the place. They looked at your wristband. And you just did whatever, okay? And so my point is, it was just, it was just a wristband. It was just a resort. How about the blood of Jesus over your life? And that every time the devil looks at you, there's the blood. And it's speaking. It's speaking everything. I didn't have to go over there and spelled out on my wristband was not everything that I got by being, you know, what, what, what the contract said on that wristband. Not everything was said on it. It wasn't great big all spelled out. He gets this, 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 and this, and this. But it was because the wristband was on me, and the color of the wristband meant where I was and what I was doing, what I had access to. Hello? So just imagine the blood on you. And the devil sees it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the devil standing there and just hoping you don't realize the blood's on you? And he's messing with you. And he's just like, oh, man, I hope they don't know what I'm doing. Hope they don't catch on. Hope they don't go to living waters where Robert keeps preaching about the blood. Because when they understand it, that you have the rights over that, you, that everything Jesus one, the victory Jesus won becomes yours because the blood's on you. And the devil wants to steal that from you. He wants you to think that you don't have any rights or privileges unless you do good works to earn them, which is a lie from the pit of hell. We do do good works, but we do good works because we love Jesus and we follow him and do what he says. We don't do good works to earn favor with God because you can't earn any more favor when you already have all the favor there is because of the blood's over your life. But the devil wants to steal it from you. He wants you to get back over into works. He wants you to get back over here trying to earn God's favor. And, oh, I went to church, so I got me a gold star. No. 
The blood speaks over your life, okay? 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, Knowing that you who were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish or spot. You have been redeemed by the blood. The blood means, that I mean, redeemed means you were lost and you got redeemed. You got brought back in. You got made right. Hello? So what made you right's the blood. Did you have anything to do with that blood? No. Only thing you had anything to do with is saying, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I want you to come into my life and save me. Wash my sins away with your blood. All you did was accept Jesus and what he did, and boom, the blood got on you. So now that blood's speaking. So remind the devil of that. Don't let that be stolen from your life. Don't let that truth be stolen from your heart. Folks, listen to me. I don't know how things are going to play out in this world before the, it gets to the, to, the, to the rough times, but I know this. Us... As being a Christian, you got to understand something. Too many Christians are thinking about their denomination. I'm not interested in denomination. I'm not interested to stand up and say, well, I'm this or I'm that. I'm interested to stand up and say, I am a Christian. I'm born again. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. That's who I am. I'm not worried about names of denominations or how I totally, you know, uh, apply the word to my life. It makes me look like this. or makes, I just want to be a Christian. And I think that's what irritates people more than anything in the world. I'm a Christian, but I'm one step more. I'm a Bible-believing Christian. And what the Bible says, I believe. And what Jesus says, I believe. And what he paid for me is mine, and I'm going to walk in it. And that's the end of it. And you either have to love me or get out of my way. Because I'm going on. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sit around and be deterred by a bunch of idiots who feed at the trough of stupid every day. All right, let me go on. The third thing, the third spiritual truth you have to get hold of, you cannot turn loose of, is grace. Okay, the first one is God is a God of covenant. The second one is you can't, uh, 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 the blood, you can't get rid, let them still the, 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 the blood speaks. And the third one is, is grace, what grace is about. Now, I, I hate a Christian who believes in cheap grace. I hate a Christian who uses grace as an, ex, as an excuse to sin. I sin. I'm telling you, I sin. I know I miss the mark. But grace is there for me to repent, not to keep doing what I want to do and give an excuse for it. All right? I'm wanting not to be a sinner, not wanting to be excused that I am a sinner, right? And so it says in Ephesians 2, 5, it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, and by grace you have been saved. Now, grace means it's a gift. It's free to you. It's, it's, it's grace, right? You can't earn it. You can't buy it. Grace means it's it's grace given to you, right? Okay, so this free gift, because folks, listen to me. I mean, come on. <coughs> we have God Almighty, the Father, who created the heavens and earth and all they're in, right? He's Papa. He made it. Then you have Jesus, the Son of God, 
Still as much God as God is God, but he's the son of God. He comes to earth and he gives his life for you and me, right? Then you got the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven over the whole world, the Spirit of God over the whole world, right? What, what have you done to earn a seat at the table with them? I mean, let's just get real. You may be, you know, pretty good in your own little hometown, but I'm just saying you don't have a whole lot to stand on with those three. But yet they say, look, Jesus paid the price for it. And if you're, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you're in the crowd with Jesus, then, man, grace, you can come on in. Then we get to sit at the seat with them, right? Humbly, I might add. All because of what Jesus did, not because of what we did. But we've got to understand this grace. This grace is not there for us to continue to sin. This grace is to get us in so that every time we mess up, we continue to say, Father, I'm sorry, man, I blew it. I made a mistake. Help me. Help me, Holy Spirit, to understand what's going on and why did I do that? But the world today wants to just cheapen Christianity and say, well, you know, everybody gets saved. Everybody goes to heaven. No. No. That's wrong. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You see, if the devil can't get you to go, you know, cut up black cats in the back of your yard and whoop up some big cauldron, well, then he's going to get you to go do the religious thing, which both of them take you to hell the same. That's why I hate religion. You got to understand that. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying Christianity. I'm just saying when people get religious and because of their denomination or their church building or where they were born or their whatever, and they start saying that that is what gets us, that's what makes me right with God. Now, I'll be, in it. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. They got some, 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 some out there. If you go study it and look at it, I mean, man, it, I wish it worked. I wish I could throw some holy water on you and everything was okay. I mean, I just line y'all all up in here. Didn't mess with no prayer or nothing. Get a three-gallon sprayer to spray it out and then bless God. Everything would work and it would be great. I wish that. I wish we could just get babies and bring them up here, just dunk them and put them out there and everything was okay. Never had to worry about it. Don't worry about your kid. He's over there doing drugs and in a gang and do whatever. You don't have to pray for him, man. We baptize him. He's going to be okay. I wish it worked. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Hello? It says train up a child and the way he'll go. And then he'll not depart. Okay. See, we don't want to take responsibility, church. I'm just telling you, people today do not want to take responsibilities. People want to live like animals, and they want to do it under grace, and they want to live like an animal, and, and, and well, they had to be sub-animals, because even animals got more sense than some people. But I'm telling you, they want to live like animals, but they want it all to be written off underneath grace, and it's just because they just want to do what they want to do, and they want it grace, and you can't do that. Man, folks, if I, wanted, if I did what I wanted to do, I mean, that's why they have laws, to keep people from doing what they want to do. Supposedly, hello? I'm telling y'all, if I lived in the old days, in the old West days, you know, like that, you wouldn't find anybody a faster gunslinger than me. I mean, because I would just think this is the greatest thing on the face of the earth. I mean, if I knew I was fast, I'd say, okay, buddy, you want it? Come get it. We'll settle this discussion right now. I would, I would practice all the time. I would buy wagon loads of ammunition and guns just to, have to, to, to just keep them because I'd wear them out shooting them, just practicing because I'd be the fastest thing you've ever seen. But we don't do that now, okay? 
may have to get back in those days, but we don't do it right now. So we have to understand it's this grace in which we stand. Ephesians 5, 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we're standing in grace. Grace just means you got given the ability to come to the door, but grace is just what gives us the ability to repent before we get smoked by God. Hello? Are you all all with me? Don't let anybody just use grace and make cheap grace. You do just rebuke them. Just tell them you're a devil. Just get their attention. Say, you're a devil and going to hell. And then see what they say. You can work it back from there, you know, to get a little love in there. But that'll get their attention right off the bat. So these three fundamental truths is what you cannot let be stolen from your heart. Okay? God's a God of covenant. He's not. If he said it, he's going to do it. The blood speaks and speaks over your life. And the third thing is, is our, we, we get to walk in grace, the power of grace for you to stand and to keep getting invited back in. All right? So the devil's going to want to, he's going to want to make all the time God look like he didn't do what he said he's going to do. He's going to want to make you seem like you don't really have any ability to be free by the blood. And he's going to want to make you not think you're invited to the table. Hello? And I've used this before. I'm, I'm telling you, the very first time I ever got to fly first class on an airplane. Okay? And I just, I did not feel that I was a first class passenger. But I wanted to be in first class because I liked the big seat. But I just didn't feel like I was going to. I just felt like the stewardess is going to come in there and look over the crowd and say, you don't look like you belong in here. I just knew it. But I had a ticket. And I'd look at it all the time. Look at it all the time. Say, yeah, it says first class, man. Bless God. And so I remember going into the plane, you know, with fear and trepidation that I was going to be cast to the back. And I showed the stewardess my ticket. And she said, oh, your seat's right here. And I go over there and I sit down. But I still had this antsy feeling that any minute, you know, somebody's going to come into me. And they could have talked me out of it. If somebody had come and said, that's my seat. I don't know where they got it. You don't have a first-class ticket. You know, you're, you look at yourself. You're not first-class material. I would have just said, okay. And I just got up and walked to the boat. Put me back here in the cattle car. Shoved me back there by the bathrooms or something, you know. But... I knew I had that ticket, man. I held on to it. Like, I wouldn't put it up. It stayed in my pocket the whole time because I was ready to whip it out. And then as I got to flying and I got to fly more and more first class and I began to, like, really see, hey, this is really sweet, you know. And, I, and everybody else had to do the poverty march through the plane. You ever notice that? They always load the first class people first so that they can sit there and gawk at you as you had to go to the back through the poverty march. And so, so then I got to be a part of that. I loved it, but it took me a while. And then one day I'm just sitting in there and the Lord says, you know, I did this for you, you idiot. So that you could learn this lesson. This is what the devil's doing. He comes to you because you don't believe you have a seat in first class. You don't believe you're worthy to be here in first class. So he can talk you out of it. So you go back to coach. This is what I'm trying to teach you. And I'm like, oh, God, now I get it. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I still like first class. Can we keep this lesson going? I need to more. <laughs> And that's what the devil wants to do to you. He wants to steal these truths out of your life by convincing you this, okay? So now, here we go. Let me see if I've got any time. Yeah, i got plenty of time. Here's your five practical ways you're going to apply that, okay? I gave you the three spiritual things, and here's the five practical ways. The first thing is, is that you have to be aware of what's happening. 
When those thoughts come to you, immediately you have to be aware of what's happening. The devil's trying to steal the word. Just by being aware of it, now you're getting yourself in a position to win the victory. Okay? Listen to me. This is something I just wrote up. Never debate with your thoughts. And this is why. Because they're fleshly designed. Fleshly designed. And they're not based on God's truth. So if you sit around and say, yeah, well, you know, so-and-so did that, and I can't believe they did it. They hurt my feelings when they did that. But, you know, they're really, they're, they're the ones that are wrong because they did this. And you're going through this big debate, and this big jury trial in your head. It's not going to get you anywhere because all you're doing is debating with flesh. And as you're debating with flesh, you're not ever going to have victory. You've got to have God's word in there. Okay? And the moment you bring God's word in there, then that kills the court battle. It stops it right there. And you have become aware of what's going on. And he said, devil, I see what you're doing. You're trying to, you're trying to provoke me. Because that's what he's trying. He's trying to bait you. He's trying to bait you over in this, to get in this debate. And he's trying to lure you over there. And as soon as he lures you over there, then he's got you. So we've got to become aware. Okay? The second one is. You have to be positioned to act. What do I mean by that? Okay. When David went to kill Goliath, when he got to the river, he picked up five smooth stones. And why did he pick up five smooth stones? I don't know if he knew it or it was prophetic, but Goliath had four brothers. So he had one stone to kill Goliath and four others. I don't know that he knew this or he may have. But at the end of David, you read the whole story that he killed Goliath's four brothers. So what I'm saying to you is when you position yourself to act, you need more weapons in your bag, more stones in your bag than just one. So you've got to be armed with the word of God. You've got to know the word of God. You've got to know what the promises are of the word. And if that day you've got to sling four or five stones, well, then sling them. <clears throat> I heard I'd forgot about this. I heard this. This is the best article I've read, and I don't know when. And I read it this morning. It's happened in North Carolina. And, and a 13-year-old boy was playing out back with his 8-year-old daughter. And a 17-year-old boy leaps over the fence and attempts to kidnap the 8-year-old girl. And he's got the girl, and he put his hand over her mouth. He's trying to take her out. But the 13-year-old had gotten a new slingshot. And he put a rock in there, reared back, hit that 17-year-old kid right in the head with a rock. He drops his sister. He gets one more shot off, hits him again, and they find him down the road with a big knot on his head and arrested him for kidnapping. And I said, yes, 13-year-old with a slingshot. David and Goliath story. Put that kid down. He said, well, that's terrible. No, that kid needed a knot upside of his head. Quit doing something like that. After that, he's going to have to be, he's either going to be worried about rocks or 13-year-old kids. I don't know. But you have got to position yourself to act. You've got to have some armor and some, some ammo in your bag. Hello? All right. The third one. You've got to understand something. The devil cannot read your mind. He's not omnipresent. He's not, he, he may have demons everywhere, but he's not omnipotent and omnipresent. He's not like God. He can't read your thoughts. He only listens to what comes out of your mouth. If you speak fear out of your mouth, he knows he's got you. Or at least he knows he's got you headed in the right direction. Okay? So you've got you've to position yourself, but then you also got to watch what's coming out of your mouth. You, you, he can't read your thoughts, but you've got to put your game face on. So there's been mornings I've got up and I'm tired. <clears throat> I mean, I just feel tired. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like reading. 
I'm just tired. But I'll get up, I'll go walk around, I'll go outside, get me a cup of coffee, walk outside, and the first thing I say out of my mouth is, devil, I rebuke you. You're lying, no good, sorry, slew foot sucker. You're going to burn in hell forever. I'm going to live in heaven. I just want you to know, let's just get the ground rules straight right now. I declare that Jesus is on the throne of my heart. And I just begin to talk to him like that. He said, well, does that do any good? It does all kinds of good. It makes me feel better. Oh, I go to getting Pentecostal, pleading the blood of Jesus and throwing all kinds of stuff around. Well, see, I just know that it works. And I may not feel like in my physical body I have the energy to do it, but I know by the Spirit I want to man knock a knot upside his head. But you got to get you got to watch what's coming out of your mouth because if you're talking depression out of your mouth, you're talking discouragement out of your mouth, you're talking fear out of your mouth, you're talking despair to your mouth. The devil knows he's got you in the right direction. He's going to keep hammering. So shut it up. Get the word of God coming out of your mouth, right? The fourth thing is this is number four of the five. The fourth thing is, is listen to me, folks, act, learn to act quickly. When the, when the thoughts are coming to you and, you and then you've recognized it's demonic, don't sit around with it. If you found a skunk in your living room, you're going to want to get it out of there as fast as you can. Hello? You're going to say, well, I'm going to make me some tea and then rest a little bit. And then I think I'll see if I can get that skunk out of the house. You're not going to do that. You're going to act quickly. So when you recognize right off the bat that the enemy is, is, is trying to hammer you. And see, listen to me. I want to, I want to put to rest something that I don't believe. Okay? Is that I heard people say, oh, yeah, well, the devil always attacks you when you're trying to do something good. No, the devil will attack you anytime. He'll attack you when you're doing something good. But he'll also attack you if he thinks you're weak. All right? And, and then it may, he may just attack you or you may just be, be attacked because... You were around somebody yesterday that was a, you know, naysayer. And it kind of fell over on you. All right? So the point is, just recognize it and act quickly. Don't keep hanging around it. And then the fifth thing is, and this is one of the most important things you can do. The fifth thing is, is you have to learn to praise God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then what happens? It says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will then guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. You have to learn to be an exalter of God. Brag on God. Brag on Jesus. I sometimes just like to sit around and say, yeah, how was it, devil, when <clears throat> Jesus showed up down there, grabbed you by the ear and drug you down, says he just triumphed over you in the middle of the street. Sound like it's pretty rough, huh? And then I get out there and I get, there's, there's an old, I'm going to do it wrong, I'm going to say it wrong, but remember the kids who used to, they got that little song in there, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And the kids who had have them all going around there, this is, this is like in, you know, years and years ago when they did, my kids were small, and then, so then the kids would come on, there, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Boom, boom. That's how we have to be. We teach our children that, but what do we do? We're adults who are going to go there. Oh, God, oh, I can help it. No, get up and start walking around saying, my God is so big, so strong as somebody. That's nothing my God cannot do. All right? Here's, a, here's, here's I'm going to give you a few Psalms. Psalm 72, 18. 
says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel who only does wondrous things. Walk around and say, God, you're a God who only does wondrous things. You don't do anything bad. You do only things great. You are a wondrous God. Psalms 18, 1 through 3 says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. How about Psalms 18.30? As for God, his way is perfect. God, you only do perfect things. Your ways are always perfect, right? The word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield to all who trust in him. And then one of my favorites, Psalms 27, 1. Psalms 27, 1 through 3 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, and whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? Hello? When the wicked come up against me to eat my flesh, my enemies stumble, my, uh, my enemies and my foes, they stumble and they fail. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, in this I will be confident. See, you got to praise God. And you got to walk around just praising God. Saying, God, there ain't anything you can't do. Matter of fact, you're the God of all flesh and nothing's too hard for you. I love Jeremiah 20, 11, where it says that he is, God is, one translation says, he is the dread champion. And I've looked it up and looked it up and looked up in the Hebrew and what it means. And it really means like the, like the Hulk jumping into the ring going, Aah! and everybody going, Aah! that's what it means. He's the dread champion. Yeah. And he's on our side. And we're going to let the stinking thoughts come into our minds and defeat us until we're over in the corner sucking our thumbs. Do we think that, you know, the, the enemy is going to win? Listen to me, folks. The enemy does not win. I'm just telling you right now, I don't know what's going to happen. I cannot t predict the future. God didn't give me that ability to predict the future. I can just tell you, I know people, and I know if we keep going down this path, it, what's going to happen. But I can tell you this, they do not win. The devil does not win. The evil does not win. God wins. And we're going to win. If God's got to make your box of post toasties just last forever, then bless God, he'll do it. He's done it before he'll do it again. If your jar of oil is going to keep pouring, it's going to keep pouring. But we've got to be the people who praise our God. And we've got to be the ones who go out there in the midst when everybody else is whining and crying and stand up and say, listen, why don't you just quit listening to the devil and listen to what the word of God has to say? And why don't you just come on up and just, just say with me, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Amen? So there you go, five things. Five things you got to do. Now, if you do them, I guarantee you success. I guarantee you no more discouraging days. I'm not saying there's going to be a fight. But I'm just saying there'll be no more. You will not be defeated. You will win. You will win. I got one last thing to tell you, and then I'm closing. Matter of fact, stand to your feet, and I'll just tell you when we're closing. <clears throat> that way I have to close because y'all are standing. How many of y'all, uh, this is really dating me, how many of y'all remember the very first game that came out on TV as Atari? How many of y'all remember those? Okay. Hey, y'all, I feel at home. You got some of them. And you remember the Pong game, right? I mean, can you believe that we sat there and did that and thought it was entertainment? Pong. Come on. 
But how many of you didn't have someone to play with, and so you set the pong up to where if you got, if I remember right, you got one up in one corner and the other one on the other corner, and it would go pong, 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 and it would just play itself. Do y'all remember that? Huh? <clears throat> well, what I want to see y'all do is get that pong game going with the word in your life to where you've just got the devil, he's just going back and forth, playing with himself there, bong, 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 and you're, you're always winning. You're always winning because you put these principles into, your, into play and you're going to see victory. Amen? You will not be defeated. You will not be defeated. I'm not saying you won't get tripped up. I'm not saying that's not a day you won't get discouraged. But if you pick yourself up right quick, begin to act, act on it immediately, you're going to get rid of that. You're going to have victory. Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, I got the victory. Now let me have my prayer team come down. Mothers, God bless y'all. Have a beautiful day. Husbands, go home and cook a meal for your wife for a week. Or go buy a bunch of lunch meat or something. <clears throat> but let me pray over you. Well, first, let me tell everybody out there that's listening on the broadcast. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, you're in a bad, you're in a bad place. Because every those three principles of God being your covenant, the blood speaking over your life and walking in grace, they're not yours. You don't have them. But the Bible says if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you call upon him, let him come into your life, that he will save you and he will deliver you right there. So if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So wherever you are, wherever you're listening, right there, just begin to call out and say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you as my Lord and Savior. I want you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. Make me right with you. And as you pray that in faith, the the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord will touch you right where you are, and you will be saved and delivered. If you're in the building here and you're, you're not sure of your salvation, you're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven, well, then that's why we have prayer team people up here for you to come pray with. But if you're in here today and you just need prayer for anything going on, we believe in prayer. Do you all believe in prayer? And I'm telling you, prayer works. And if you need prayer for anything, we're up here to pray with you and to believe God for you. So I'm going to bless you now. To go out there into that world, now the minute you walk out them doors, the devil's going to want to try to steal it. So you're going to be in battle. So take these battle plans. Learn how to throw the snake off into the fire. Shake him off. Let it be consumed. Amen? So, Father, I pray over everyone right now. I just ask you to bless the people. Bless their hearts. Bless their minds, Lord. Bless them this day as they go forth that this message and this word will be sown within their heart and will not be stolen from God, I praise you that you're a God of covenant. I praise you for the blood of Jesus. And Lord, I praise you for the spirit of grace that we get to stand in. And Lord, I just pray today that this message is so ingrained within the hearts of the people that it trans just transports them, Lord God, into a new realm of faith with you. That, Lord, they will apply these five principles. They will walk in victory. They will defeat the devil daily. And, Lord, victory will be theirs. I ask you, Holy Ghost, to just continue to show them and speak to their hearts. And build them and strengthen them, Lord, like, like they've never felt before. So, Lord, I thank you that as we face these end times, Lord, we put a smile on our face. Matter of fact, we put a smirk on our face knowing that, God, you're going to win. You're going to defeat it. And so, Lord, we praise you for it. We thank you for blessing them today, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.